Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Very cool. Can you stay standing? Can you stay standing? Can we pray? Father, we want to thank you that in the next few moments you would take your opportunity to move in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our churches and bring us to a brand new place of understanding of who you are in our lives. God, I submit myself now to the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I bind myself to the blood of Jesus. I want to thank you that God right now you have a plan and purpose for every single person that you wrote this day in your diary to meet with each one of us. And God, I pray that you'd empty me of me and fill me with you and that everything that I say and do would bring glory to you and bring a transformation in Jesus' name. Can we give him a hand tonight? Louder, louder than you did for me or anyone else. Can we lift up the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? Very cool. You can grab your seat. Um, I feel privileged to be speaking to you tonight. I think there's 10 or 15 people in the room more qualified and anointed to speak to you, but for some reason they chose that it would be me. And so I do apologise for that. Um, and if I could just uh, maybe do this. If, uh, if the romantic music players uh, in the band could join me 20 minutes before I'm supposed to finish, uh, that would be great because that means I'll just wind up and give a chance to uh, just allow God. I feel like he wants to do some things for some people tonight. So could we just do that? Could just bring him up and just I'll just take that as the hint you're not doing so well Claude get off and uh, we'll get going check this out Jesus is dying on the cross he's hanging between two thieves we don't know what they did wrong but we do know whatever they did was worthy of the death penalty and as they're hanging there one of the thieves turns to Jesus and says so you're the Messiah, right? This is my translation, not any other translation. You're the Messiah, right? If you really are, why don't you prove it by getting yourself down from here and while you're at it, get us down from here. There's a thief on the other side of the cross and he is dumbfounded by what his buddy on the other side has said and he leans out from his cross, looks past Jesus to this guy and says, have you no fear of God? Even in your moment of death, have you no fear of God? This man has done nothing wrong. We are here because we are guilty. And then he turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your glory. Jesus turns back. Now this guy hasn't had a chance to serve on a volunteer team. He's never paid a tithe. He hasn't been water baptised. Jesus turns to him and says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. I think about that and go, oh my goodness me. Aren't you so glad that we're in a place in God where it's guilt-free, it's shame-free, it's condemnation-free. I'm just so glad that, I mean, religion sells so much guilt, so much shame. This guy had committed sin worthy of the death penalty. It could have been murder, could have been a rape. He could have been a pedophile. That's a popular statement. We don't know what it was. 
And Jesus says to him, just from one look, today you'll be with me in paradise. How incredible is the grace of God? How incredible is the grace of God? You don't need to know much about me. What's been said has been talked up a bit. I don't think I'm as good as some people have said. But this is what you do need to know, that prior to Christ, I was a mess. Didn't recognise it. Covered it up. When I came to Christ, he turned everything around and now my life looks so much better and so much more fruitful than it ever was going to be because of the grace of God. But here's something really interesting. Each one of us one day is going to breathe our last breath and when we do, we will die. We will expire. Next second, we'll stand before God the Father who with love and compassion will look into our eyes and say, why should I let you into my kingdom? And when that happens, you won't come with philosophies or excuses. You won't be saying, oh, I served on the church board. I went to church. I helped, out build, I helped, I helped them build C3 Watson. I was a volunteer on staff. You won't come with any of that. You'll have to come out of the relationship that you have with Christ personally. I love what our leader says, Phil Pringle. He said, not everyone that's going to church is going to heaven. I don't like what Jesus said. He said, there's some preachers, there's some miracle workers, there's some guys in the ministry that prophesy and in that day they'll come to me and say, we did all these things and I'm going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I did not yada, know you. I didn't have a personal, intimate relationship with you. Isn't it sad that that could happen to us in ministry? Like I realise who I'm talking to tonight. I know that I'm talking to pastors, leaders, volunteers. Is that right? I realise that. But I'm here tonight to make sure that before I leave this place, if by any chance there's one person here that's not right with God, I'm, my key priority is to leave this place giving you an opportunity to get right with God that you would understand that this is a guilt-free, shame-free, condemnation-free altar that you can come to and leave this place under the blessing and favour of God. So sometime we're going to go there. Just giving you a heads up before we get there. But what I really want to talk to you tonight about is uh, the unforced rhythms of grace. Is that okay? Because you know what, as ministers of the gospel, we are ministers of the gospel. I love putting that on that sheet as you come into a nation, you know, getting ready for immigration. What's your occupation? I just put minister. I used to put minister of the gospel, but you get weird looks. So I just put minister. And I found out that that's, they think that then you're a parliamentarian and they give you like special privileges. So it's just really cool. Uh, sorry, Lord. Uh, as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, our core responsibility is to carry and impart the spirit of grace everywhere we go. The Bible says that when we communicate, we should impart grace to the hearers. And you know what, I, I, unless you have a really clear understanding or for that to happen, you must have a clear understanding and perspective of the grace of God. Now, let me tell you what grace is not. It's not that prayer you say before you eat, the, you eat your food. Can you please stop calling it that? That is not grace. That is giving thanks for the food. Let, let me tell you that grace is not just simply the unmerited favour of God. Grace is God's willingness to provide his power on your behalf. 
Uh, we've been blessed by God to be given the opportunity to minister the gospel around the world through gospel tours and helping churches and whatever else. We've been given a vision to reach one million people for Christ. It came out of a tragic day in our life when our eldest son at 18 years old graduated to heaven in a tragic car accident. And on that night, I didn't know that I was really picking a fight with the devil, not making a commitment to God. I asked God that night for 10,000 souls. It was in it was on the 18th of August, 1999. And I fully believed it on that day that when I asked God to turn me into a harvesting machine, I basically said to God, if I'm going to be a pastor in the back streets of Rockingham, leading this bless me club of just a few people, just give it to someone else to do. I'll be a number two. I'll be a good tither. I'll be a good supporter. I'll cheer and shout. But I don't want to be part of a flipping bless me club. Turn me into a harvest machine. I didn't realize how small my mind was at that time. I asked God for 10,000 souls. I thought it would take the rest of my life. And in 2012, in a conference in, in Asia, where I think I was supposed to be helping Steve and other pastors ordain people, I got apprehended by the Spirit for 45 minutes on the floor. And God gave us a vision for one million souls, basically apprehended me and said, you asked me for 10,000 souls in 1999 and now you've already seen over 12,000 people come to Christ. What are you going to do to believe me for more? In fact, it was just over 10,000, 11,000 at that time and we've had the privilege of seeing people come to Christ at altars all over the world and uh, we've got a long way to go. We've only seen 23,875 people come to Christ so far. I know you're going to clap, but that's only like 2% of the goal, so we've got a fair bit of work to do, uh, so I don't clap too soon. But here's the deal. I, we have found that winning people to Christ and seeing people healed is the easiest thing we do because we don't do it. And so I'm hoping in the next few moments I can give you a really clear understanding of the grace of God. Can we go to the Bible tonight? Uh, I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to read a lot of scripture. Wow, I'm not going to speed it up. We're going to dig down and do that. Let's do it now, shall we? In John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says in the New King James, And the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Let me just say quickly up front that grace and truth will never be balanced. It is not your job as a minister of the gospel to balance grace and truth. How can you balance the unconditional love of God towards you with grace? How can you balance that? Truth, obey every word. How, you know, it's the, it's the un believable demand of God upon our life that we would obey every command and I'm sorry you will never fulfill the completeness of that but the reality is Jesus is full of grace and truth and as we look at that you've got to understand that nothing can replace the empowerment of God upon your life. Nothing can replace the grace of God. Your diligence can't not replace it. Your commitment, your training, your skills, your qualifications, your knowledge, your understanding cannot replace this desire of God to just come and anoint you with his ability to do the thing that he called you to do. I can win souls at the drop of the hat and I sometimes drop the hat to win souls because there is a grace of God upon my life to win people to him. 
I don't get them saved. The grace of God does. And I just am so thankful that I'm the channel that God decided to use. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 from the message paraphrase. And for the Bible scholars, I'm sorry for using a paraphrase in this moment. But I just really love the way it is said here. Are you tired? Burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch me do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Before we go any further, can I just show you this video and then come back to you? Are we able to roll that, guys? Nice and loud. Get some complaints from some I really people. believe that when someone else does us harm, we're connected to that mistreatment like a chain. Because forgiveness is nothing less than an act of fidelity to an evil combating campaign. So it's not an act of niceness. It's not being a doormat. It really, to me, is more badass than that. Maybe retaliation or holding on to anger about the harm done to me doesn't actually combat evil. Maybe it feeds it. Because in the end, if we're not careful, we can actually absorb the worst of our enemy and on some level even start to become them. So what if forgiveness, rather than being like a pansy way of saying it's okay, is actually a way of wielding bolt cutters and snapping the chain that links us. Like it is saying, what you did was so not okay that I refuse to be connected to it anymore. Forgiveness is about being a freedom fighter. And free people are dangerous people. Free people aren't controlled by the past. Free people laugh more than others. Free people see beauty where others do not. Free people are not easily offended. Free people are unafraid to speak truth to stupid. Free people are not chained to resentments. That's worth fighting for. There really is a light that shines in the darkness and that the darkness cannot, will not, shall not overcome it. good is that can I speak to you though because I live where you live when someone in our church gets offended simple they just leave draw back go but you're a pastor you're a leader you're a key support person I guarantee you you've been betrayed guarantee you you've been beat up lied about guarantee you that if you're the lead guy it's happened more than once this week uh, <laughs> and you know forgiveness is always possible reconciliation is not forgiveness I believe is a one-way street not a two-way street forgiveness is always about you Releasing the perpetrator 
from your heart, from your life, regardless of their response. Reconciliation is not always possible. But forgiveness is. Because forgiveness is a miracle that God does in us. And so tonight, if there is an element of unforgiveness in you, I'm praying at the end when I pray and release a blessing over your life that that supernatural thing, that miracle will be done in you so that you can go free and be a freedom fighter. Amen? I'm so stunned at the reality of the forgiveness of God. Some people think they have to forgive God for something, but really, how arrogant is that thought? How arrogant is it that you had to forgive God for letting you down. No, you just made a dumb decision, had an unrealistic expectation. And Anyway, let me get back to my notes. If you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're burned out, I want to call you tonight to come back to Jesus and relearn the unforced rhythms of grace. Second Peter chapter two, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. For those of you that already have a really good handle on grace, can I just remind you of this scripture? It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness can I just encourage you tonight for those of you that kind of listen to this message you go yep know it all because I know you will Uh, can I just encourage you and remind you that grace can be multiplied and how flippin awesome is that that the grace that you have can now be multiplied and you can go to a whole new level whole new you live your life on levels and you arrive there in stages I'm praying that for you guys that you just go to a whole new level of grace as it's multiplied to you is that okay I believe there's four things that the grace of God is shouting out to the church today because somehow we've allowed religion and wrong thinking into our lives about the grace of God when uh, Ezekiel had the vision of the river in Ezekiel, in the book somewhere, you'll find it. I know it's there. I've read it a number of times. He, you remember the vision where he gets taken along the river and, and it's ankle deep and then it's knee deep and then it's waist deep and then it's over his head, right? And uh, I love the commentary from Matthew Henry. He says that that river is the grace of God. He says it's the spirit of God flowing from the temple to God's people. And, and here's the deal I love about that, that, that you just got to keep walking along the river as he's having the vision. He just keeps walking and as he keeps walking, he gets deeper and deeper. But doesn't that kind of fly in the face of religion that says the longer you walk with God, the less grace there is because now you're accountable and now you know it. But no, that's not how it works in God. The further you go, the more grace there is. If, if grace is an ocean, then I am drowning under that fact because I keep walking with God. It starts at the ankles, which touches the walk that we have and wipes away the past. It goes to our knees and touches our prayer life. When grace gets to your loins, you start to reproduce, not out of your own ability, but the grace of God that's flowing to you. But God does want to take you to the place where grace is out of control in your life and if you will just keep walking grace will continue to grow grace will continue to flow there's four things I believe grace is shouting to the church today I'm going to try to do a half decent job in communicating it and the first thing is that 
grace is shouting out to you today, to the church today, is that, number one, you have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove. God loved you at your lowest, darkest hour. His love hasn't changed for you today. He'll never leave you or give up on you. Uh, now, to understand this, a number of years ago, I decided I needed to get fit, basically because I had a heart attack. Uh, and, well, actually, a little bit before that. And so I started going to the gym with my gym buddy. And uh, I would try and get in there early because I like to get a head start. So I get in early, drop my bag, and get on the running machine, you know, those stinking things with a, uh, what do you call them, treadmill. And so I'd get on there to do, because you've got to do the warm-up, right? And so I'd get on there, and I'd dial in six. Six is amazing. Until my gym buddy, who happens to be a real smarty pants, gets on alongside me and dials in 6.5. So I keep looking ahead. Well, that's how I make it look. But I see 6.5. So what do I do? I dial in (laughs) 7. And in my mind, I'm thinking, we're going to do this for five minutes because, bless God, it's just a warm-up. But my gym buddy at five minutes keeps going. So what do I do? She's not going to go too much further. Jim Buddy happens to be my wife. <laughs> happens to be a cardio monkey. I just keep going and going. And at 15 minutes, I am pouring sweat. <laughs> I'm thinking, And she goes for 20 minutes for a warm-up. By this time, I'm almost dead. She gets on the spin bike and after 60 minutes, she's, she's still going. She's listening to her fourth podcast. She's at 75 minutes and I have to hey, say, honey, we've got to go. We've got to get off that thing. But here's the deal. When I go to the gym, cardio is not my thing. I can stay in the gym for two hours doing other things, strength training and whatever else, and, and the time flies by, but get me in there. Pastor Nick for cardio. And even now I'm gagging for breath because (laughs) I've just done a little bit of a... Isn't that what happens in church? You come into church, you sit down and and you're doing fine. You've dialed in six and everything is great until you look across the row and see someone else that's dialed in 6.5 and you think you've got to meet up to that and even do better than that, so I'm going to dial in a seven, and you wonder why you're worn out and burnt out. Jesus said, walk with me. Work with me. Watch me do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Don't run with the crowd. Walk with me. Jesus is received, not achieved. You have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove. Walk with Jesus. Don't run with the crowd. The second thing. I don't know if you're like this. I mean, I'm a little bit... Just slightly, I don't really like admitting this in front of my wife, but I've become a little bit OCD. My gym socks that my wife bought for me, they have, they're marked left and right. 
and I just can't put the wrong one on the wrong foot. It's just, I go, I've done it a few times, like, oh, that's the right foot. Take it off and put it. Do you have, it's like, I've been on the whole, I'm in the middle of holidays now, believe it or not, and I've just come back for a couple of days to be with you guys, but I'm in the middle of holiday and I'm putting my socks on this afternoon and they went on the wrong foot and I went, that's cool. I did, I did, I did, I did. I just, it doesn't matter, I'm not going to walk in a circle, it's all going to be, hey, here's the second thing. <laughs> here's the second thing that Grace is shouting out to the church, I will fill in the gaps, I will take up the slack. I'll fill in, you know, there are so many of us in church life, we have that Moses mentality. We're so conscientious, we're staying back to the, in the office until 8 or 9 o'clock at night to get that report done, do this, do that. We're trying to do everything. We're trying to get to the bottom of the pile. Here's, here's, here's news, guys, that pile will never go. And when you have an understanding of grace, you realise that you need to manage your energy more than anything else. It's not just about time management, it's about energy management. The reason why God said you should have a Sabbath is because he realized you're human and you just simply need a break. And so what are you doing working seven days a week? What are you work, doing working long hours, getting up early in the morning, going late to bed? You've got to understand that the grace of God will fill in the gaps and take up the slack. Do your part, step back and go and have a sleep. And let grace do the rest. Are you with me? <coughs> God does not weigh us down with heavy burdens. You know, and while we're at it, because you mentioned it, uh, we've got to give grace to others. People get saved and come to our altar and lift their hands to Jesus and pray the prayer. And then, you know, they... <laughs> There's people in my church, not like you guys, but there's people in my church, there's some, just a small group of them, that when they get saved at the altar, that they expect, hey, it's Sunday, they got saved at the altar, that means they're going to be at the prayer meeting on Tuesday night, they're going to be at Bible study on Wednesday night, and when they come back to church on Sunday, they're not going to be smoking their fag, they're not going to be doing all those things, they're not going to be swearing. But guess what, they come back next Sunday and they just butt their cigarette out just before they walk into church and they still smell of it. When they come down on the altar and get hit by the power of God, some wrong words come out. <laughs> oh, what was that? What was that? Oh, shittim wood in the Old Testament, yeah. <laughs> and the religious folk look at them and go, they did not make a commitment. Seriously. Newsflash. Smoking will not send you to hell. Make you smell like you've been there, but it won't send you there. <laughs> Hello? Repentance takes place in three zones. Heart, mind, direction of life. When they surrendered on the altar, God changed the one of those three that we cannot change. The heart. The mind and the direction of life takes time. He fills in the gaps. He takes up the slack. Third thing, God, grace is shouting out to you, which is really Jesus. I believe he's shouting out to ministers, shouting out to leaders, shouting out to volunteers, shouting out to the church. Not just the first few things that I mentioned, but he's also shouting out to us tonight, today, to the church. I 
believe in you. Because we have made it so much about our need to believe in God. But you know what? God believes in you more than you believe in God. Newsflash, he believes. Is that Ashley Stoll up the back there? Come give me a high five, man. I love you. You are such a flipping champion. You changed. Hey. Good. Sorry, just talk amongst yourselves. God believes in you more than you believe in him. Had to. There's no way he would have sent his son to die on the cross if he didn't believe in you. Hello? Grace gives you an upgrade. Rejection, some of you have suffered rejection for whatever reason, but you know what? You need to know that rejection is nothing more than an opportunity for an upgrade. You need to know that your net worth does not determine your self-worth. Hello, your, your net worth does not determine your self-worth. My wife says this, she says, your self-image is a gift God gives to you, but your self-worth is a gift you give to yourself. I don't think you're getting it, so I did ask for some props and I'm going to help you here. I haven't travelled much, but I have travelled a little, probably taken 220 flights in my life so far. Pastor Phil probably does that in six months, but, uh, you know, and I don't know about you, anyone here not? Travelled on a plane? Everyone's travelled on a plane. And there's basically two zones. Up the front and cattle grade. And uh, out of my 220 flights, I can tell you that 216, maybe 215 of them have been in cattle grade. And uh, I did a lot of work in, do a lot of work in Cambodia and a lot of that's been Air Asia. Uh, which looks something like this. <laughs> right, Steve? <sighs> I don't know about you, but by the time I get to my destination, I don't look like, smell like, or sound like Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A little while through the journey, I discovered that when you get to the counter at check-in, there's this amazing phrase you can use. It doesn't pay off often, but when it does, oh Jesus, are there any upgrades? And every now and then, yes, Mr. Corello. The four times that we've been on business, someone else has paid for us for some reason, blessed us, whatever else. And you know the difference? Like when I first went in economy, and I first started flying, and even though my feet are up here, I would just be so thankful that at 40,000 feet you got that hot meal and the little chocolate and the bun and the butter, and I was just so happy. I was like, oh, this is amazing. But someone paid for us to fly business. Just ruined it. Forever. Because in business, before... Everyone's even on the plane. Stewardess comes up to you and calls you by name, Mr. Corello. Would you like a beverage? Oh, yes, I'd like that. Would you like the orange, water, white wine, red wine? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'll have the orange juice. (laughs) 
And then when it comes, like you get up, you know, seatbelt signs off, it's time for dinner. Mr. Carrello, tonight we have the, the lamb rack, we have the salmon steak, which is really nice, and then we have the seafood marinara, what would you like? Oh, I'll have the lamb rack. <laughs> they come and put the tablecloth out and silverware. You finished that? And now it's like, uh, would you like sweets? We have the cream brulee, the tiramisu, the sticky date. Uh, can I have all three? <laughs> sure. You finished dinner. Mr. Carello, would you like us to put the duvet down for you to have your sleep? Mm, yes, please. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's a long 12 hours, but... Compare that. Compare that to. <laughs> Why wouldn't you ask for an upgrade on the slight chance that you'd get one? But here's the incredible thing about the grace of God God always gives you an upgrade. Every time you ask, grace will give you an upgrade. There's this incredible scripture in Luke chapter 18, verse 10. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, stuck up. Uh, the other a tax man, down to earth. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. Robbers, crooks, adulterers, heaven forbid. Like this tax man, I fast twice a week and I tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man, slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give mercy. Forgive me, a sinner. Jesus commented, this tax man, not the other man, went home, made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you'll become more than yourself. Grace. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch me do it. Grace does work. Grace does not sit on its blessed assurance. Grace works. Grace may not run, but it walks keeps on walking he says watch and you're smarter than me you know that watch in the bible means pray listen when you stop praying nothing changes because prayer changes everything but it's got to come from this position of the tax collector not the nose in the air we are c3 no we are c3 without the nose in the air we are those that go I might look good, but I realize where I come from. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, but it's all because of what he has done, not because of my beautiful track record behind me. Can somebody say amen? God will never stop believing in you. The final thing, you can be yourself. And grace 
will make you more than yourself. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. You can be yourself. I don't even think about trying to preach like Furtick. There's no possible way I could do it. If I grew that beard, it would be white. I'd look like Father Christmas. I'm trying to build my guns, but their pins can confer to his. You just simply need to be yourself. And grace will make you more than yourself. Where does your strength come from? I'm glad you asked. Hebrews 13 verse 9 says, So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from the grace, God's grace, not from rules about food, which do not help those who follow them. Can I encourage you? Grace is speaking to you tonight. Don't run with the crowd. Walk with Jesus. Work with him. Do the thing that comes easy to you. If you're going to work, work hard at the thing that comes easy. You know what a lot of us are doing? We're working hard at the thing that does not come easy and wondering why we're burning out. Wondering why we're just drained. I'm like admin. People with the gift of administration, like it's a Bible gift, it's a spiritual gift, it's there in Corinthians. Administrators add to the ministry. Just a reminder for the administrators here tonight, you're here to add to the ministry, not create source documentation that blows our minds away and gives us headaches. Just on a side note, you're here to add to the ministry. When I do administration, I do it in 20-minute blocks. When I have to do it in four-hour blocks, it smashes me for the week. It's amazing what takes me four hours my staff can do in 10 minutes. Why would I do it? Work hard at the thing that comes easy. Here's, here's what a lot of us do. We, that thing that comes easy, we don't even work hard at it. But that's where grace will continue to flow. That's how you really become a great steward of the gift that you've been given. Work hard at the thing that comes easy. That's what grace will call you to do. Jesus says, work with me. Walk with me. Watch me do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. They're here to tell me, you've said enough. I love what James says. He says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then he gives you, an, gives you a key. He says, so humble yourselves before God. I believe that there's going to be a multiplication of grace upon you. Can I release you from false expectation? Can I release you from disappointment? Can I release you from religious mindsets that have told you that you know better now? How could you? I'll tell you how you could. You're human. And that's not an excuse for you to keep playing up and being stupid. Just 
Let me be a pastor to you. Stop it. It's the best pastoral advice I can give. But at the same time, forgiveness is a one-way street. God forgives us. Why won't you forgive yourself? Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you right now that in these next few moments you would make this word become flesh and dwell amongst us. That your people would leave this place tonight empowered in a way that they've not been empowered before because they've come closer to you. That Jesus, you've manifested in them in a very real way. There's some people here tonight and you're saying, you know what, something needs to change. I just simply cannot have another year like I've had. Something needs to shift. Some of you are dealing with a secret situation. It could be a habit, it could be a sin, it could be just something that's gone on behind the scenes and you haven't been able to talk to anyone about it and you just don't know how anything's going to change or shift unless that thing changes and you've just got nowhere you can go. And I want to tell you, you can go to your Father in heaven, you can go to Christ and there's probably someone in this room that you can go to that has enough of grace in their own lives. They've imparted that to you before They've experienced it themselves and there is someone you can go to. Every one of us needs at least two types of people in our world. We need a coach and we need a confidant. We need a coach because everyone just performs better with a coach. We need someone that will speak into that area of our life and just help us see the blind spots of what we're doing and how we can change. We all know that we need a coach, but most of us don't understand how important it is for us to have a confidant. And a confidant is someone that you can say something to and they'll never say it to anyone else, not even their spouse, not even their friend. They'll take it to the grave. They're a confidant. Some Christians think being some Christians think being a confidant means they only tell one person at a time, hey, you're not supposed to know this, but that's not being a confidant. You say, Claude, why do I need a confidant? Well, very clearly we understand psychologically and in the professional world that we're only ever as sick as our secrets. James says, confess your sins to God and you'll be forgiven. Confess them to one another, you'll be healed. Forgiveness comes from God, but healing comes when we can share it here on earth. I would love it if in the next few moments you could just stand across the room and maybe just quiet in your soul, get get yourself ready to receive a blessing that I'd like to declare over your life. And then I'd love it, guys, if without them knowing, just as I come to the end of it, you go into that song that you were singing before, the last part of it, the last song that you're singing, and we just begin to worship. Without them even knowing, could we do that? These guys are awesome. Like, seriously, that wasn't, I didn't, anyway, I love you. I do. Just breathe in. Presence of God. Breathe out, let it go. Get ready to receive. I declare the blessing of the Lord upon your life.
I declare that you've come into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. And he's making you rich without sorrow, heartache or fear. This is your day, your divine hour, your collision with divine destiny in Christ. I bless you with the seed of Christ, the promise of his power and the purpose of his grace. I draw upon the anointing upon me now and release it to you for your destiny. You shall walk upon your enemies in victory. You shall conquer every mountain and slay every giant. I mark you now with the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. There is today an insatiable, unquenchable desire for the presence of God within you. You have a chasm that craves the revelation of God's Word and the release of His Spirit in your life. By the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, you're walking in power, grace and wisdom. Spiritual understanding and practical application are propelling you forward in every area of your life and ministry and relationships. I release you from fear, past, present and future. I release you into the plans and purposes of God. I set a hedge of protection around you now that protects your life, your family, your ministry and all that concerns you. I declare that wall of protection around you that will never be removed. Now is the time for you to press forward and possess your future. Your past is forgiven. Your present is reconciled as you are released into your destiny in Christ. I declare you will live in victory, love in meekness, give in grace and grow in strength in the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au We hope to see you in church again this weekend.